the podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. Uh, regular listeners will have heard me chirping on about financial aspect to the dive industry in previous uh, episodes. The expectation of low-cost offerings to guests, the knock-on effects to low income for the operators and their staff, dive pros working for peanuts, and the expectation that it is to be accepted just because they live on a beach rather than work nine to five in the CBD. Now, with COVID coming along, um, obviously the dive industry has had a serious impact and many people have been affected much like the rest of the world. But I want to focus on the dive industry and I want to discuss what has occurred, what's occurring now and what the future may hold for dive pros. To aid me in this discussion, I've invited another good mate of mine onto the show, Marcel Vanderberg, and he's a platinum paddy course director operating out of Surrey Cottage in Thailand, and he plays a key role in a number of online forums specifically designed for dive pros seeking work and those wishing to enter the dive industry. He also has his own YouTube channel, uh, which he has managed to maintain throughout these difficult times. So, Marcel, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, Matt. How are you? Oh, tip top. Now I've got my morning coffee. <laughs> I got my morning coffee too, and I am really enjoying it, I can tell you. <laughs> I've got to let the listeners know. About 45 minutes ago, I got a message, a voice message from Marcel, and it sounded like he was breathing out of his backside. <laughs> and he woke up silly o'clock this morning and decided it would be a good idea to go and get some photography shots from the top of the hill. Yep. Um, glad to see that you're showered and not breathing like you have to run a marathon <laughs> yeah 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 that was that was kind of funny um uh, right now on Kotao, i think since yesterday the uh the conditions the weather conditions are just like it cannot get any better it is it's almost fake when you look outside like it's being created um yeah. crystal clear waters no wind uh, it's it's fantastic and i just went like you know like it's always nice here but this is an opportunity and i'm trying to get the youtube channel bigger and better and i was like ah oh, this is going to be amazing b-roll uh so there is this beautiful little viewpoint on the top of the mountain and i thought like all right i have 45 minutes before this podcast i can do this um i did it but wow <laughs> <laughs> which one did you go to was it was it fraggle rock or something like that uh now you got you got two few but i i got past there then to the left i don't know if you still remember mm. that and uh i don't actually know how it's called but you can actually see the other side of Cortau. so it's lit some people say it's the highest point i'm not 100 percent sure if it's the highest point uh you can see Tenote and shark island and it's very very cool and and i just got a gimbal now and trying to figure out hyperlapse uh i got a beautiful dog re since recently so it was like it was just a perfect moment um happy days hey you might have got my old house in that i used to live at um key corsellas is a oh. uh, lot that look out over to shark island yeah 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 it's, uh, it's definitely a good view to be on that side as well yeah 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 well as and when we can travel again i'm coming over just so i can show my missus the place i used to live i loved it cool yeah if you come back like right now it's kotao is so beautiful i it's very hard to explain it's always been beautiful again but you know having no tourists during the covid situation it's it's a it's a sad story but at the same time it gave it gave the island a brief moment and uh, there is there's literally no pollution here nature is beautiful uh, i've never seen this island so green uh the dive conditions are better um so yeah there it is there's there's a a, a negative side to everything but also a, a good positive side to things so i think that yeah. when things open up and you do come back you're going to see Kotao even better than before 
I can only imagine that the the dive sites themselves have had some rejuvenation as well because I mean anyone who works in the industry will know of Koh Tao and how mm. busy it was in its in its peak with many backpackers getting their open water and advanced courses and, and um, pro training done as well. Um, so to get the dive sites with literally no divers on them now for what is it 16 17 18 months it must yep. be um, must be fantastic for the wildlife yeah i i actually remember how much um effort um the the local uh, government and uh, and the conservation activists on Kartao did before covid to try to reduce the amount of people on the dive sites by creating artificial reefs um, so, you know, you have a very popular dive site, for example, called Twins. It's, it's one of the most popular dive sites for, for training. Um, and th- they just build this sort of buoyancy world next to it, uh, which is really fun. So every dive center, they created these uh, structures like a giant octopus or a shark or, uh, you know, a fake shipwreck. And then you could take your students there and then do buoyancy skills with them while showing them something different than just the reef. Uh, but besides training, it was really also to, to reduce the amount of people on the reef itself, uh, mm. to take them a little bit away from it. And that was a really cool idea. But now looking back on that, it's like this, this COVID situation sort of you know, did that, but then ty- 10 times more, where mm. it just kind of gave the reef a chance to fully recover. Um, I'm still you know, in doubt if it's a bad thing to have a few divers on the dive side, if no one is touching the reef, if the buoyancy is good, is it really impacting uh, the environment? But mm-hmm. deep down, I do believe it does. I- in the end, you know, we're we're supposed to be part of nature, but sometimes we have a tendency to, yeah, overdo it a little bit. And yeah. and and I think I think right now is that COVID sort of reset it that and you can see that for example on the other side of thailand where in kpp they have this very famous beach um i think it's called maya beach and that's where they recorded the movie the beach with leonardo dicaprio so mm-hmm. not only is this one of the most beautiful beaches in the world but it, it really got famous because of that movie as well and I remember that when I when I went to Copenhagen for the first time, and I went to like a long tail boat guy and said, "I want to take me to that beach. I want to see it." And he was like, "All right, you have to leave at five o'clock in the morning." And I was like, "You know, yeah. a.m." I was like, "What? No, it's it's some on holiday. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna go there at a.m." And and he was like, "No, no, no. Like, trust me on this one. You really. Otherwise, I won't even take you." And I was like, "Wow, this is just so weird." And I went to another guy, another guy, and they all said the same thing. So in the end, yeah. I was like, "All right, let's just do it. Let's just go eight a.m. in the morning." And I went there, there was no one. And it was just, the sun was coming up and it was stunning. And I was like, wow, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And then you could hear that sound in the distance. And the long boats guy was like looking at me like that, like, okay, wait, what's going to happen? And you could see the speedboats, like, like yeah. almost like Waterworld with Kevin Costner. Like you know, a cavalry charge. <laughs> yeah, like they were trying to go faster than each other, like racing each other. And it was just on the horizon. I was like, oh my God, what's happening right now? You know, Mad Max in, in, in the distance. And, and they were coming and those were the tourists they were bringing in from Phuket to go to this beach. And with less than yeah. half an hour, <laughs> it was just hundreds, thousands of people. Uh, yeah. Plastic bottles everywhere on the floor, you know, littering, everything. So anyway, it's a long story now, but but what happened was that the government kind of had to kick in, and this was before COVID, where they decided, okay, this is getting out of control. We have to close this beach temporarily mm-hmm. so it can recover. And within three weeks, 
maybe five weeks, but very short amount of time, around a month, um, sharks were already returning to, to uh, the bay. This is the, yeah, I saw some yeah. video footage. For, I think Shark Guardian posted it yeah. last year. Um, and they're just coming back in masses, aren't they? Right. And I was like, I was kind of thinking, like, what happened in all that time? Are they just around the corner, like, every day checking, like, how oh, can we go now? <laughs> But um, but yeah, you could see how nature has a tendency to sort of bounce back very quickly if we just give it a little mm. bit of uh, of a chance. Um, so yeah, and, and that's yeah. clearly what you're seeing here in Kotao. Like we all want the tourists to come back as soon as possible, but at the same time, it 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 was good for nature. Like I'm sorry, you could say yeah. what you want. Yeah, I think it's down to a noise thing. I mean, the, the quantity of divers in the water, and you know, you look at. Um, marine species around the world and, and noise plays a significant role in keeping them away from particular areas. Mm. Um, it's the main form of communication really for the bigger Absolutely. animals. It's, yeah. it's one of the reasons as well why uh, you know I, I work for um, for Sari Cottage, uh, for Sari Cottage Diving and I've you know I've been with a couple of um, uh, I've dived with a couple of dive centers on the island and one of the things that I really respected from the owner of Sairi Cottage Diving, I have nothing to do with it, was that uh, he doesn't have a compressor on the boat. And actually, I, that, I, I didn't know that beforehand. But, you know, when I went on the boat with them for the first time and I about to go into the water, I was like, wow, it's so quiet. <laughs> I wasn't used mm-hmm. to that. And then under the water as well, it was so nice. And, and then I came back up and I kind of got like, guys, what are you doing with the tanks? Are you not supposed to fill them during the, during the dive and the surf's interfund? I was like, no, no, no. We, we make sure we do that all on land because we don't want this noise under the water, this noise pollution. And yeah. it's absolutely true. Like when you have those compressors on the boat, you have that sound and it's annoying for us. It's annoying for students. But like you just said, um, I think it also impacts the fish. But then again, I'm not a marine biologist, so I haven't talked to the fish and went, hey, guys, what do you think about this noise? You know, Maybe they're loving it. Maybe they're just rocking on it. <laughs> I, well, to I, be fair, I mean, it's, a, it's a good point because um, I think there's only – forgive me if I, if I get it wrong, all those Kotao peeps that are out there, but photography-wise, I think there's only Paddy Peach Steel that got an up-and-over shot, and it was the Surrey Cottage boat with a whale shark. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's and I'm not saying that's completely true. about noise, but it's probably played a significant role in it because all the other boats have compressors on, don't they? Or the majority of them, anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. But again, you know, I I, I don't know a hundred percent if it's if it's bad, and you know, and this is the thing as well um, with the other dive centers. It doesn't, you know, if they have a compressor on the boat, it doesn't say anything, you know, about the quality of the dive center. They can be fantastic with the most fantastic staff, but. Yeah, sure. It was very noticeable for me when I moved to Cyrus Cottage Diving to to see that difference and and to yeah it's, it was very cool I think yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, we experienced similar in in Komodo just before um, just before COVID hit I took a, a group out there to um, the Komodo Dive Resort and their boats are the same they load the tanks on but there's no compressors on board and you know several times we're moored up on a a dive site and you can hear the compressors really rattling away on the other yeah. boats and we're sat there in silence it was beautiful yeah yeah it also depends a little bit on the compressor like some of them they have a bit more quieter some of them are louder some of them are newer and older and you know to be a bit devil's advocate i have to admit i i, I one of my first leads as a as a dive master with customers i, I remember being extremely nervous um uh, for getting lost right and 
and and I I, I did get last. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, and, uh, but but I was still on the reef, so it wasn't last last kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. I like, kept looking behind me. And these guys were having a time of their lives. They don't know better, right? But I was just like, oh, I just so want to find that boat back. Uh, because you know, who knows? Maybe they write something bad about me on TripAdvisor. Maybe the owner, uh, you know, my career. I, I just, I had to find that boat back on one of my first leads. And then yeah. I did hear that compressor at one point, and I was like, yeah. I can't describe the feeling. I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. So I, I, I actually did manage to. I know it's hard to track sound under the water, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a point to go to so it got louder and yeah. louder and and i did i did find the boat back so i was like i was so happy it was the nicest safety stop that i've ever done in my life and i came up <laughs> so happy and i turned around and it it wasn't our boat <laughs> it was <laughs> were you on the other side of the dive site <laughs> yeah yeah well almost yeah it was the other dive side the dive center's boat so we still had to do a bit of a surface swim, but hey, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I tried. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't teach navigation anymore then? Uh, no. I, <laughs> well, I, I teach what not to do. I got great stories of what not to do. Um, yeah. No, actually, actually, those moments, they, they, they made me actually fall in love with navigation because, the, the you know, there, there were a few moments I was nervous. There were a few, I, I think, you know, everybody got lost at one point. You know, anybody says, yeah. I never got lost. Come on, get out of here. Uh, so people do get lost. And, and it's, I think, I think, you know, you can take it like, all right, now I'm super nervous and I never want to go down again. I never want to lead. Or it's like, all right, now it becomes a mission to never, ever get lost or even better to try to find a perfect route for your students or to find a perfect route for your fun divers or to, you know, to give them the best experience while still navigating at the same time. Mm. so i actually love teaching navigation yeah well i mean it's a good it's a good balancer isn't it you're either going to be good at it crap at it or decidedly average somewhere in the middle is not too bad yeah yeah true true. (laughs) Uh, to be honest like like when it comes down to navigation is that i was i was so nervous about it that i think the whole nervous part Mm. in the beginning when i was a dive master was making me make these mistakes and 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 I noticed as well that every time I went to a professional around me and I said, all right, guys, look, I'm going to have to lead my first dive for soon. I'm, I'm freaking out. You know, what do I, what, where do I go on this dive site? And yeah, a lot of them, they were laughing. Like it was, it was one of those things when I sort of like did my courses where, where people were like, you don't talk about this, like, like buoyancy, you know, you never admit that you're bad at navigation. And I was like, all right, I'm going to this dive site called White Rock and Every single one that I asked was like, dude, come on. It's just, it's a big rock in the middle. You know, how difficult can it be? You go around yeah. the rock. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I get that. But but what if I lose the rock, right? And then, come on, dude, don't be, you know, I can't say it right now, beep. And it was one after the other instructor that gave me that attitude. And it just increased my nervous levels to the roof. Um, until like sort of moments before I went to that dive, like one of the really nicer instructors came up to me and says, look, everybody's laughing about you, like saying like, you don't know how to navigate white rope, but I understand your feeling. I had it too in the beginning. Look, the thing is they're all big rocks. So when you go down there and you're going to try to follow the big rock, it's not going to work, but there's only one that actually reaches the surface. So when you swim around and you, and you look up and there's this one that's almost touching the surface, 
then that's white rock. And then whatever you do, never lose it. Just keep going around it, left shoulder, right shoulder. I mean, your students don't know. I mean, you know, uh, an angel fish around white rock looks exactly the same as an angel fish on, on the south area. And I was like, just yeah. him saying that, I lost all my nerves. And I was like, it makes complete sense. And, and I did one of the best dives ever. Um, yeah. So, so again, I think, I think with navigation, a lot of people, they are bad or they feel they're average. But I think it also has to do because they, they're being overtaught. Like it's too difficult. It's too serious. Or you're stupid if you can't do it. In the end, mm-hmm. actually, it's very simple. You know, most, yeah. most dive sites, I think. And in the end, like if you're on the dive site, just surface anywhere on it and swim back to the boat. It's not like... Mm. You know, you ended up in Bangkok River or something like that. That's a bit yeah. Okay. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. There's um, a lot of added pressure comes from those dive pros that that think you have to be a hundred percent perfect at everything you do. Yeah. And it's navigation. Ego. I mean, yeah, it is. It's ego, and it's. Um, I know it's something that's very close to your heart, and it's the the attitude of a, a dive pro, and you know, humility. I, I, I'm a massive believer in humility. You know, mm. you're not the biggest and the best. And, you know, in past, I have teased my students and said that they're getting taught by the scuba god, which is me. Mm-hmm. But it's banter. When it comes down to the real um, passage of information from those that have the knowledge to those that are trying to gain that knowledge, you've got to do it in a way that those individuals are going to understand. They're going to receive it in a calm, relaxed environment. And that way they're going to absorb as much of the information as possible, putting you into a stressful environment and saying, Marcel, you shit at compass navigation. That isn't going to teach you anything. No, no. There was the exact words, by the way. Were you, were you part of it? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it, it's, it was a good thing as well at the same time because uh, – you know, it wasn't just that navigation. I, I noticed when I got into the dive industry that uh, there's a lot of ego in this dive industry mm. and a lot of differences in quality between instructors and, and dive masters. And people say like, ah, oh, but, you know, in the end, the, the industry will filter them out. When you reach the top, the best dive shops, the, you know, they have the best of the best. But that's not always true because you, you can still be even – the best diver in the world or one of the coolest instructors and you're funny but deep down you're just i want to say a really bad word right now but you're still a bad person and and that bad person goes too far <laughs> in the end of the day and it, it might be very nice to his open water students because he wants to sell them the advanced course but like you know at the bar he treats his dmts like absolute slaves like you know back the bags and once it's done you, you kind of see me in the bar and buy me a beer and whatever and how did I do today as a DMT? Well, you're DMT. You're just sitting on the side and just keep watching me. You know, it's like, whoa. And, and I've started noticing that very quickly in the industry. And um, it's, it's, it's a negative thing, but it also, in my, my career, made me really go like, okay, that is so who I'm not want to be. And I, mm-hmm. I kept remembering that guy that taught me navigation, well, taught me, gave me that last hint, like it's just a rock that goes to the surface. I'm like, oh, any of those last 20 people could have just said it's the rock goes up to the surface. And it just made me realize, hey, wait, there's an opportunity here. There's a really big opportunity. Because people say, like, going into the dive industry as a professional, like dive master, instructor, you will never make good money. You will never get a good career because there's just too many instructors out there, too many others. The competition is you, you will never make it. 
uh, I remember how many people told me in the beginning, dude, it's going to take you five years or 10 years to work at a certain dive shop. And yes, that's true if you have a lot of competition, but actually the dive industry doesn't have a lot of competition. They, they might have, let's say, 10,000 instructors, but how many of them are good instructors? And not just good instructors, how many of them are superstar instructors? You know, the, 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 I have to be careful what I'm saying right now, but there is a very, very big difference. So it took me 20 instructors to tell me, oh, just find a big rock and follow it on my truck. You know, oh, don't be a beep. Mm. To get to this one guy who said, okay, they're all big, but this one rock goes all the way up to the surface. Once you get that rock, you'll be safe. You'll be good. You can do this, you know. And, and afterwards, tell me how it went. You know, I would love to hear it. We'll share a beer together. And I was like, wow, I want to go. I'm so excited. So if, if it takes one in 20 instructors in that particular case to be fantastic, then there's a huge opportunity for professionals. Just don't be uh, – it starts with a dick and ends with a K. And if you, <laughs> and if, if you, if you, if you are not, if you have the great attitude and you love to teach and help people and see them proceed, then even if you work on an island where there is hundreds of other instructors, then you still have a great chance to become successful and make good mm -hmm. money actually, because yeah. you're not a, can I just say it? Dick? Yeah. Yeah. You're not, a dick. you're not an asshole. Oh yeah. That's, that's very good. Okay. <laughs> anyway it's it's very true and um i think that's what quite a few people kind of miss in the industry is that yes we all love scuba diving we we love doing it and people get into it for a career but it's it's a passion and an enjoyment of creating happiness in others mm. that makes a good dive pro mm, you know you can be you can be the worst instructor in the world but as a dive guide you could be the best because your passion is showing people other things, not teaching them. Um, you know, it's, it, it's all down to attitude and, and having that passion. Um, I get my passion, you know, I've done that. I've taught thousands of people to be divers um, and I don't teach anymore because I'm bored of it. My mm. passion is taking people to various locations to show them stuff that they've never seen before and experience wonderful dive sites. I get my kicks out of that. That makes me very good as an expedition leader, and I don't mind saying so. Mm. Um, you are a course director that's absolutely passionate about teaching people to be professional, and you can see that through your YouTube channel. And it's all it's all that, that attitude. Once that right attitude's there, and it's honed in on the particular element within the industry that you want to do, that's when someone becomes excellent. Wow. You, you nailed it. And to be honest, like, if you're okay with it, I'll, I'll probably steal this a little bit for my IDC classes, what you just said. I want to quote you on that. There's a similar thing I like to say, but you really just put an idea in my head uh, to teach now, uh, to make, it, uh, make people understand it better. Uh, what I love what you just said was that admitting that you are maybe not liking something within an industry and then focusing on something else that you are passionate about. Uh, some people are just not good teachers. Uh, you, can, you can still try to make them good teachers, and sometimes that works. But in the end, mm -hmm. sometimes they're just not good. And a lot of times when I notice that, it's not always because they're bad people, you know, they don't care. It's, it's just because they don't 
really like the teaching part. So, you know, they, they love diving their whole lives. They love fish. And they realize, wow, this is costing me a lot of money uh, doing all these fun dives, just traveling, buying equipment. Why don't I make a career out of my hobby and become a diving instructor? I can go diving sort of for free, uh, right? Because we're getting, we're getting paid for it, which is even better. Um, and then I suddenly have to wake up early to get all the equipment ready and set up. And then, all right, that's a bit of a bleh. So their, you know, their attitude is down already. And, and the students walk in super happy and excited. Oh, my God, I'm going into the swimming pool. They're like, yeah, great. It's going to be a good day, guys. Why? Because they're not going to see a whale shark in the pool. And that's why they're doing their mm -hmm. job, because they want to see fish. So now they're finished the pool. Okay, let's go diving. And then, you know, they, they swim really fast on the dive sites usually because they're just trying to find the moray eel before the 40 minutes are up or the one hour up and the students are catching up and getting out of breath. And I've, I've noticed this over and over and over again, where the, the passion is not teaching those people diving. Like for me, for example, like, like I have a great story about it in a second with a whale shark, but, but just say something easy with other fish. Like there could be a moray eel, there could be a, uh, a stingray, there could be a manta ray passing through, or maybe a manta ray, I'm slightly distracted. But I, I truly first focus on the students. I really, I love to see their faces looking at the stingray, going, wow, stingray. That is for me more enjoyable than looking at the stingray myself. And don't get me wrong, I love fish and animals, but yeah. I love the students' reactions more. Uh, but I've noticed that a lot of other instructors, they don't have that because they love the animals more and then what you just said is so perfect because it doesn't mean they're bad people it doesn't mean that they are they shouldn't be in the industry they should but maybe not as an instructor but maybe now like you said as a as a dive guide right you mean it doesn't have to be a dive master you can still be an instructor and be a dive guide or like you said like someone that just you know loves to go into tech diving or loves to maybe even manage a dive shop just loves to have talks to diving customers on land, whatever it is, go corporate, work for, work for the big organizations. And, and if you then suddenly become passionate again, that's great because then you become super good at your job and that helps the dive industry. But what doesn't help the dive industry is that if you're love looking at fish and you start taking the corporate job, you start becoming like this, that will influence how you are at your work and that will lower the quality of the industry. So it's fantastic. Before you make your choice, what you want to do in this industry, like really sit down and think about it first. Do I want to teach people more or do I want to look at fish more? Do I want to do I want to do I want to do a podcast? You know, talking about fish like you're doing right now. Great. Do that. But fix what's the your, what's your, just 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 interjecting there, mate. Um, what's your thoughts on um, like the zero to hero kind of thing? My, mm -hmm. Me personally, mm -hmm. I think that people should gain experience, gain their dive master training, get experience as a dive master, because it's not just leading, guiding dives, mm. and then go on to the instructor. What, um, what's your feeling on those people who want to flash through the whole thing and get the dive master to learn and go straight mm. into their IDC as soon as they've smashed out two weeks worth of diving and got the 100 dives required? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. And it's, it's one of the oldest one, I think, in the, in the dive industry, in, the, in a professional level. Uh, there's, there's just a few questions out there that everybody asks, that everybody has an opinion about. And they are very, 
emotional opinions as well. Very now, now with you know with social media and stuff like that, a question like this on social media would would ex- explode all the time. You know, so yeah. people are are extremely against zero to hero, and some people are extremely uh, pro zero to hero, and a bit of everything in between. Now, I get this question a lot, especially in in my emails from customers asking, uh, but more the DMTs or the these days you have to say DMCs, I think it is, right? Dive Master Candidates instead of trainees. Candidates. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the Dive Masters in training uh, that you have at your dive shop, of course, any course director would love them to, to continue and do their IDC. Uh, and then one of the worst things that can happen to a course director is, is when the staff members or when they go to, you know, on their free time to a bar, local bar, meeting someone that says, oh, you think about your IDC, what, you still dive master trainee, don't, or you not, you need to get this training first, you need to get this experience first, uh, at least few hundred dives, different conditions around the world, um, get yourself a full set of equipment. And then when you're ready, go for it. And I'm like, and then they come back to me and says, Oh, Mars, by the way, can I, you know, I want to cancel my package. And I'm like, Oh, and, and every course director listening to this right now instantly feels knows exactly when they come up to you as well and cancel that package. And you might go right now and everybody else listening. Oh, that's because they want money. You know, course directors, they're selling right now. You know, you just talked them out of an advanced course. That's what it is, right? And and of yeah. course, there is a final aspect to a final, a financial aspect to anything. But you can trust me on this one. When you have the best course directors in the world that truly care about their people first, then this is not the number one thing on their mind. Because actually mm-hmm. pushing too much sales actually goes against you in the long run. So it it's it's the opposite and i know that's hard to explain right now but trust me anyway why are we then so broken inside when people do that because it sounds so good on paper and it sounds so good in theory you think about it you should have more experience before you're gonna start teaching people mm-hmm. however in real life what we have noticed statistically with data that we can prove is that the percentage of people that are not choosing to do their IDC after their dive master and first choose to get some experience, the, the dropouts or the people that will never then do their IDCs in the end is incredible. Like I wanted to say on the safe side, 70%, but hmm. real, re- realistically in our minds, it's, it's closer to 90%. It's in my mind, yeah. it's like, bye-bye. Okay, cool. Go on with your life. Have fun. Be a dive master, get experience. And I just know at that point, I will never see you again. So even if they go to other locations, it's very low. So what is the reason then for this? Because it sounds so, you have to get more experience. Why not? Why? Because a few things will happen to them. First of all, money, financially, they're going to be drained. Uh, one is that there is not a lot of work for dive masters because instructors, that's another like long story by itself, but instructors can mm-hmm. do the same kind of work. So owners, they love to hire instructors more than dive masters. Um, if they do find work, and I'm not saying I'm for that, by the way. I like high-quality dive masters getting dive master work. But anyway, hmm. uh, once they do find work, then usually the payment and the salary of a dive master is much lower than an instructor. Yeah, but shouldn't it be about the money? It should be about fish and happiness and people and the industry is <laughs> all about money. Well, uh, people that say that are people that have money. 
You know, yeah. it's and, and trust me, if you for the first year, it's great to live in a small little bungalow and eating pad thai every day. You don't need money. But over time, you, you want to travel as well. You want to see your family. You want a fa- family yourself. Another story. Hmm. So they they now try to survive on this dive master salary, getting more experience. And they just realize that they're running out of their budget and they need to borrow more money. So t- t- paying for an IDC that, that they had in the beginning is just completely out of the question. They're now surviving to do an extra month or an extra month. And it's a very small chance that these people, they, they usually don't go home, think, all right, I'm going to just make some good money back home in Germany or America, whatever, and then come back. Mm. And then they got a job and their parents are like, forget about a stupid dive industry. There's no money to be made. You were treated like a slave. And that's the end. And that's this is just one of the reasons why they never come back. Um, yeah. So that's one. And another one as well is, it's, that's a big one to me. It, it all depends on how you have been trained before. Uh, again, there is a huge uh, difference in quality. So if, if, if you had really bad open water course training, and a lot of times they don't know it because they don't know better, right? They, they haven't compared to other instructors. And they have mm-hmm. bad advanced training and rescue or a combination or you know a bit of good and bad good and bad but the worst thing is maybe their dive master wasn't really good in training as well now Mm. they get sort of like for example very short course it was more about you pack the bags and you carry tanks than you know proper debriefs in the end so anyway so after they complete a dive master course like that now they need to get more experience but what that's going to happen they meet more of those bad people around them and 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 when they go work for a dive center and they want to jump off the boat with a giant stride they go oh no we do backflip somersaults here which is trust me it's i know it's fun and i've done them myself (laughs) i need to be careful now because i'm going to piss off a lot of people otherwise but the, the, (laughs) the thing is is that um is that is that they start doing that kind of stuff you know, taking them to swim throughs and suddenly the swim through becomes a bit longer every dive and it turns into a Catherine or taking them into wrecks without the proper training and blah, blah, blah. And let's say that 1% of these people that have done a year of experience of dive master work around the world, they come back to my IDC or, you know, they, I meet them for the first time. It doesn't matter. And they do stuff that I just go in the beginning of that IDC. They just go, Oh my God, dude, why? That was so dangerous, what you just did. You're about to teach DSDers. You're, you're about to be the role model. Why would you do that? It's like, oh, yeah. we all do that. I worked in five different companies. This is, this is what we do. Customers love it. I mm. think it's fun. Yeah, of course it's fun to take them into a wreck. Yeah, of course. But th- these people, they're open water divers, and you took them into a wreck at 22 meters? What are you doing? It's like, oh, yeah, but everybody's doing it. So... That experience could also be backfiring right now because it depends how good that experience is. And I'm not saying yeah, the whole dive- teach them bad, teach them bad, uh, bad knowledge, bad uh, yeah procedures. And what's really important, like you know, it's, I have to add this: it really depends where you go. It almost sounds like right now the whole dive industry is is bad. That's not true. So if these people, in a perfect scenario, they leave the dive shop as a dive master. They find another dive shop somewhere in the world, let's say in Komodo, one of the best diving in the world, uh, but currents, strong currents. 
they get trained the right way with the best dive shop there with good instructors, great attitudes, great management. They learn how to be the best leader ever. Now they move to the Caribbean. They work there for a few months. Best dive shop, best instructors. They work on a cruise ship. They work on a liveaboard. And all of them are the best cruise ship and the best liveaboards. And now they come back after a year to do their IDC. Yeah, wow. I mean, they could do it for free. No, 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 I didn't say that. (laughs) I will pay it because... They're going to be superstars. I mean, yeah. we don't know about their teaching attitude yet, but at least, come on. They're going to have great diving skills. They're going to have great attitude. So, yes, now I'm agreeing with you. Hmm. Getting good experience before an IDC is very important. But the chance to get really good experience and not just lead people around every day with no one telling you if you're doing a good job or not, I'm not sure. And then... Yeah. There is, I know I say a lot about this. I, there's like 10 more reasons, but maybe a quick third reason is that when people do zero to hero, it's almost like a kid that goes to school. You're really in it. You're, you're just doing all these courses. You, your only thing on your mind right now is those courses. You're paying all your money towards those courses. You, go, you, wake, you wake up and you learn. You process that information. You go to sleep. That's when you learn really good. And boom, the next day you're doing something new in diving. You might have a weekend off, but your body is constantly learning and you're in it. So with extremely good Zero to Hero programs from some of the best dive centers in the world, they they just constantly bombard it with extremely good information. Hmm. And that's really good for them. And it makes the IDC go so smooth. Their IE, they fly to the theory. But if they take a break in between that Zero to Hero and they start leading fun divers around, they might come back as the best leaders in the world but they forgot all their dive theory they forgot so many things like how certain parts of teaching and i find out that they they usually struggle the most in my idcs but they're the best leaders but they're not very good instructors and the people that do zero to hero especially when they stay within our company cyber cottage diving or the really good companies i used to work for before they're the easiest ones to teach they're superstars yeah I know yeah. people are going to hate and me I, for what I, I just said, but it's whatever. <laughs> um, one thing that um, does make sense is that when someone leaves their pro training and goes to get a job elsewhere, as you rightly said, most employers would prefer to hire an instructor. Yeah. And a really good example of that was my job in Papua New Guinea. Mm. Uh, they had five dive masters there, or dive guides. Um, that were local guys, but they needed someone who could instruct. Now, I spent a year there. I I think I taught maybe five courses Mm. in total, six, seven people. And the rest of the time, I was organizing the boats and leading guides and exploration, et cetera, et cetera. But the sheer relevance of having an instructor ticket meant that the visa to work in the Mm -hmm. country was a lot easier for the company to get. They couldn't get a visa as a dive master, but as an instructor, you could. And I think that's relevant to a lot of countries around the world. More and more as well now. Like you're Mm. seeing this more and more happening, Uh, Mm. especially in countries where they they are, are, you know, like the local people in that country can, can work as a dive master. 
But a foreigner to get that visa has to be an instructor in, in some of these countries as well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's, I've seen this being used as a bit of a sales pitch as well sometimes of saying that, but it's not like the most important thing to do, of course, your IDC, but deep down in the end, like it's, you, you're in this to get a job, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you, you need to make a list of what, do I need to get a job and what can potentially hold me back? And this, what you just said, is not always on that list or it's being yeah. used in a, like I said, a bit in a sales way. But you're absolutely right. Um, when, when, when you're trying to get that job, especially in a specific area, to get that you need a certain visa and that being an instructor would help you better as well. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think it, you've also yeah. got to be, you've got to be open to be, overqualified for for the job and this is one of the big issues in the dive industry whenever you see a job um opening a vacancy get advertised then quite a lot of them are wanting an instructor with x amount of certifications Mm. done they've got to speak five languages Mm. they've got to have seven different specialities Mm. they've got to worked in this location that location have their own dive equipment be able to um, repair a broken compressor and the list just gets bigger and bigger and bigger however if your base is that you are dive master and instructor qualified then it's a good base to start with Mm. absolutely and also uh, a really good professional in anything that you do in life is like you said you have you have to be humble I can't say the other word because I'm dark. It's like hum- humility, hum- humility. Uh, humility. <laughs> humility. Okay. So, close enough. <laughs> close enough. Learn something today. Um, n- never, never, never too good to learn, right? Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so being humble. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes the things that I say sound a bit arrogant as well here and there. But being humble is very important. And, and I think recognizing your flaws as a professional or something you're not ready at yet is extremely important. And, mm-hmm. and again, these big ego people are like, oh, you know, did you hear about this new instructor that's coming along? Yeah, I know he's, you know, promoting a lot of advanced courses and whatever, but I heard he can't deal with any currents, you know, and because he never dived in a current before. And I'm like, well, yeah, all right. It's, it's definitely a little bit of a lesser super good professional because you know he's, he worries about currents in the beginning of his career mm-hmm. but when you then meet that person you go like whoa who is he like this is like one of the one of the nicest people i've met students love him super good in teaching can handle himself in every condition that he's teaching in but he's not so good with currents so he just admits to himself, like, okay, I, I'm not going to be teaching in locations with currents. I'm going to choose not to go there. I'm, I'm going to not teach in Komodo. Mm-hmm. And then when I have some time in my free time, I'm going to work on my, you know, my skill in currents with doing the proper courses, getting more confidence. And then in a few years from now, when I'm ready, I might go to Komodo and start teaching, you know, over there. And so he is admitting it. But there's so many people that then say, Oh, because that guy shouldn't be an instructor because he can't handle himself in currents. They, 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 they are so, you know, they, they can't look far ahead. Uh, and they're usually not good mm. professionals too. While admitting that you're bad at something doesn't mean you're a bad professional or a bad instructor. You just have to not go there because it's dangerous, right? If that guy starts teaching in currents right now, it's not only bad for himself or dangerous, but he might, you know, get his students in danger too. But do yeah. we have to kick him out of the dive industry? Of course not. And I, and I think 
this relates a little to what you, what you just said as well. Like, if you if you are a dive master and you're not ready maybe yet to do your IDC or you don't know yet, you don't don't feel ready, and people are saying do it, other people say don't do it, and you just ah, oh, it's so hard, right? Well, you can still do your IDC and become an instructor, and then choose not to work yet as a teacher or minimize it. Like for example, like you said, you went to a location where they pretty much only have leading fun divers and a few courses. Great. That's perfect because you can now do your dive master work, still get that experience that you wanted, you know, as a dive master, but you, at least you got your IDC in your pocket. And, and then there's this one open water student and one DSD or two. Great. Now you get a bit of that experience. You're not hardcore teaching eight people. And then in a year or two, now you're like, wow, actually, you know what? It's easy to teach. Give me four students. Give me six. Uh, it's not here. I might now need to find a location where I can step up my game in teaching yeah. a bit. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you don't have to do your IDC. You can still do it and then decide later how much you want to try to get out of it. Hmm. Or do I say something really I know yeah, it sounds a that bit makes like, perfect sense. Yeah. It sounds a bit like sales. Yeah, it sounds like sales. That's, it sounds that's, like yeah. That's that's the industry we're in, you know. Um a lot of it is about sales. Um and it's about yeah. getting the best the best you can for you know the money that you put into it. It's it's not a a small amount of money that mm. that you have to stump up to get these qualifications. But what you are aiming for is to get out of that city CBD life like this one behind me uh, and end up on a beach where you are. <laughs> um, and it is doable. Um, but all of these little elements you've got to put together and you've got to source that information from, you know, reliable sources. And, you know, one of the many reasons that I asked you to come on the show, not only because, you know, we've been drunk a few times in the past to talk about this stuff, but um, uh, is, yeah, but it's, it's the, the forums like the Facebook, um, groups that you are moderator, administrator, organizer uh, of where people ask these questions um, and to be able to get that good information from people from within the industry. And if you've got half a brain, it's not too difficult to work out those people that are just a little bit embittered and those comments get ignored and you focus on the ones that are good. Yeah, there, there is, there is a limit to, to most of it. Like, the reason, one of the main reasons why I started setting up these groups. Uh, so at first started me being a moderator and a fellow admin to the point that I was like, okay, I'm still limited in some of the things that I can do. So let's, let's create my own. And, you know, it's hard because people think, oh, I just set up a group, but I will have at least a hundred people joining that group every day. That's not true. It's almost like a website. You need to, <laughs> you need to put time and effort into it. And there is, there is SEO. There, there are, there are things, but anyway, why the the reason why is not because you can bring people together in this industry and share things, but it's also a little bit to filter the comments because it really depends. Like, like for example, there's a guy or girl that says, Hey guys, I am thinking about doing my uh, dive master course in location X and within minutes it is don't go to x it's horrible it's, <laughs> it's factory it's it's only for money yeah worse 
uh, yeah, you, that person will be influenced. Like it takes an extremely strong person or strong is maybe not a good word, but it's it, like person that kind of got like, okay, there's too much hatred right now. Something fishy is going on. I'm going to go the opposite of that. That's what I learned. Like when people are too negative about something, then I started going, hey, maybe that's actually really good. Anyway, that's another story. Mm. But uh, most people, I'm sorry, they don't have that. Like they, they do believe, okay, sorry, there's 99% of people saying this is bad. Don't go there. And I think you and me know that, you know, one of those locations that, that people talk sometimes not so good about is Kotao. And then when you mm. come here, you go like, wow, this is one of the best places in the world. Is it perfect? No, of course not. But there's no place in the world that's perfect. But I've been around as well a little bit. And every time I come back here or I go somewhere, I'm like, whoa, I miss Kotao. And some of the best divers are produced in Kotao around the world. Um, the, 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 some of the people that, that were part of the cave rescue, they come from Kotao. So anyway, that's, yeah. that's a huge discussion you know, on, the, on the side. But what I'm trying to say is this, on these, on these groups, uh, you get this hatred very quickly. And I noticed that if the hatred is too much and too intense, it will make people not go. But that person might now decide to go somewhere else. And guess what? There they might go to the crappy dive shop. They got a 15-day dive master course. They got rushed to their IDC. And they have no chance in their career or a very small one. Well, if they would have not listened to those haters. So that that the groups are great. But if there's too much of it, it can truly change people's paths. On the other hand, yeah. if a place is really bad, and we all know it is, and I can't say it, then those people that say don't go there because of reason blah 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 actually does help those people to maybe not get in trouble uh what i like with those groups is that there's healthy discussions like you know don't go to location x it's horrible and it's a factory and they don't care about you and then the next one is going well guys i am really sorry but there were 100 people telling me this the same thing i still went and i have a three thousand euro job as a diving instructor and the best time of my life so yeah that one comment yeah. can make all those comments go away yeah yeah anyway I, I, I mean it's it again like you say it's one of those things that people can put comments on very quickly and then i, I want to pick up on the kotao comment mm. um yes it is or was um one of the busiest locations in the world with thousands of people mm. per year flock in there to do their open water on their backpacking trips mm. predominantly and i think when i was speaking to elaine a few months ago i think she said there's almost 90 dive shops on the island before covid hit yeah, yeah. so it's extremely busy and granted there are some shit dive shops you're going to get them because people want to cut corners and make as much money as possible and don't give a shit mm. however the majority of the long-term dive shops there I think are an absolutely fantastic mm. location for learning because learning takes place. You've got a lot of people coming to learn. You've got instructors that are doing the same job day in, day out. So they know the job back to front and in their sleep. Mm. You've got dive master trainees that are coming 10, 15, 20, 30 at a time at a single dive shop, trying to learn to be a dive pro. They're learning not only from a multitude of instructors, but a multitude of very experienced dive masters and they're learning from each other because they're living the life and learning as they go. So for me, Kotao was indeed one of the very best places in the world to learn. Mm. Now people will argue that one-on-one -on -one is the best way to learn, mm. 
I don't necessarily think so. Some people might learn the best way that way. However, if I was to go through my dive master training and IDC and go on to do my um, instructor, you know, follow with with a qualified instructor and we're teaching one person on every course every time you're only going to get that one person's faults that you can deal with you're only going to have that one person that you can focus all of your efforts on whereas if you've got a group of two three four five six people you're learning so much more because you're having to balance the wants and needs of a number of people rather than just one so for me Having Kotel with no current or barely any current, great visibility, warm water, and a number of people to teach and learn from is the best environment to to learn in. I'd much prefer that over one-on-one in the murky depths of a quarry in the UK. So that's my two penneth worth on Kotel, and I'll put that out there right now. If anyone wants to say that it's wrong, say it's wrong. I don't care. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. So... There's the soapbox away. <laughs> so, so when do you want me to give that uh, $20 to, to say this? Uh, do you want me to transfer it now or after the... <laughs> no, just joking. You can, you can buy a bottle of whiskey for buying in the bar next time I could turn up. <laughs> good, good, good. No, I... Um, I now, now, yeah. just, just, just talking about, about Kotal, because I want to stick with it for a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I know it's, it, it's close to my heart, it's close to your heart, it's your home. Yeah as is it, it is with many other people. Now, we've had that um, prior COVID moment where it's super busy, there's regular income, all that kind of stuff. How have you managed to stay so long on the island with all of the travel restrictions, the minimal people, the minimal tourists? How have you managed to keep yourself busy and maintain an income that allows you to stay there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um uh, of course, bit sensitive as well in a, in for 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 many of us, not only here in Kotal, but I think around around the world. Uh, I, I, I remember hearing about this COVID virus was almost like somebody walking up to you saying, "Hey, an airplane just went into the twin towers." Remember that day? I think everybody remembers that day in their lives, right? And it was like, "What? Yeah. It's just, no." You know, you know, it's like a movie. There is this virus. It's it's going to shut down the world. What? Ow. And 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 even if it does, right? What? Are we gonna do this for a month, three months? Oh, actually, to be honest, though, <laughs> I was doing these sixteen-hour IDC days. I wouldn't mind having a month <laughs> off on my PlayStation <laughs> and doing some fun <laughs> dives. And I know that we actually had some of us had these jokes in the beginning, like uh, you know, time time to the old days where there was no tourists and go to the beach and have a beer with a campfire and fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, wow, uh, it went three months, five months, one year, and now what did you say? Eighteen months so far, or even more, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and and I think like a lot of people that lost not just their jobs, but they they had to leave right the island um and there's all kinds of reasons for it they couldn't find online work or they didn't want to do online work or they they expected like myself in the beginning beginning what they expected a bit longer like oh this is just going to be six months Mm. three six months so I, i i saved some money i'm good i'm gonna enjoy and then once after six months there was still nothing going on i think then 
they couldn't catch up anymore in trying to find something online. I'm not saying that's the only reason. It's just one of the many reasons. Uh, some people yeah. just kind of were like, you know, uh, I, I had a great time in the dive industry. I just want to go home. And, and who knows? Maybe this was sort of their excuse to get back to normal life again. Uh, for for me personally, it, it was it was a bit weird because the first the first thing was very important to me was I wanted to look at what happens after COVID. So so for example, let's say that COVID would last for two years. I, I went already extreme from the beginning. It felt like you know a month or two in the first month, but very quickly after like a month, I went like okay, this might take like two years or much longer, right? So. What will happen afterwards? Will we just get a few students coming back per day instead of the, you know, the boat full of students like you just talked about? Will I have maybe one IDC candidate a month or every few months? Because then it's not worth sitting it out anyway, because I might never be able to recover if it's going to take me another five to 10 years before I might get, you know, a few students enough to get a decent salary. It might not be worthwhile, right? But mm. what I actually thought, and this is a long story that I'm not going to go into right now, but what I figured out, I think it's the opposite. I think once it opens up again, and I mean open up, not, not with special sandboxes or going to special hotels, which is all, I'm not going against that. I think it's all good for safety <laughs> to be very careful opening up in one go. But let's, let's say we can, and you just need two vaccinations or something. People have been locked up so much in their in their homes as well, in their countries, that they're screaming to go on holiday. And I know they're going on holiday maybe within their area, like, you know, Americans go to the Caribbean or Euro Europeans go to Europe. But we all want to explore. It's hardwired into us. I can get very geeky talking about that. Let's not go there. But I think it's one of our instincts to to explore. And we want to go to, if you're from Germany, you want to go Asia, trust me. Just, we just can't yet. Or it's really hard and, and it costs a lot of money. But I get the moment it opens up, I think we're not just gonna gonna welcome people. We're gonna welcome too many people. Uh, yeah. and and most of the dive instructors and dive professionals, some course directors, they went home. A lot of them thinking, Oh, I just come back off the COVID, but you know how it goes, right? You get a job and it, from like working in the bar, you start getting a proper job with a really good salary with a suit and a suitcase. And before and you get maybe a, a girlfriend, you uh, marriage, pregnancies, babies, families. And before you know it, this whole being a diving instructor idea just go. Poof. Yeah. So what's the, the sad story? But the, the positivity behind it is, remember what I said in the beginning about people saying there's too much competition, there's too much other instructors. There's no competition anymore. And, and I know, I know from talking to owners privately, they are all freaking out. They're like, oh my God, when this is opening up, we don't have enough staff or most of them. Where are we going to get these great instructors from? And, and Betty is, Betty is saying the same thing. I've, I've heard him say it a few times. I wrote a blog about it as well. So the job opportunities, I think, for, for those instructors are going to be huge so if you're doing your idc for example uh now or you know when covid is sort of finished when people can travel better you will have huge opportunities as well so for me as a course director i think sticking sitting it out and sticking here waiting for the moment i think i'm gonna have a lot of bookings 
a lot mm. of new fresh attitudes of people that really want to do this as well, that not just were convinced as a dive master to do their IDC, but really want to come out. And that's the reason why I decided to say, okay, I'm going to sit this out. But if this is going to take for like two years, and also like another thing, like you said, Kotao is one of the best places. I've, I've put 15 years of my life, even longer, um, into building a career here. Uh, I work for, I've been trained by one of the best dive centers in the world. And then yeah. at the same time, now I'm working for another dive center, which is in my book as well, by going around one of the absolute best dive centers in the world, with the, the best stuff, the best management. It's just, and we have everything. Like my classroom is right next to the beach. I can see. Yeah, it's pretty sexy, isn't it? <laughs> I can see the pool. It's, like, yeah. I, like I've, I've been around where we had to be in taxis for two hours to get to the nearest pool. And I, I literally walk out of the classroom and do a giant swipe into the pool and teach him a skill circuit. And then you go across the pool sport. and you're at the bar. <laughs> exactly. You can swim even to the bar in the end of your day. Yeah. And, and if I'm going to leave, will I get that back? Maybe. But it's a big gamble, right? And, and can I be a course director anywhere else? Yes, I can. But will I get Kotal facilities back? Maybe not. So anyway, yeah. so this all really, really, and then coming to your question again, I'm sorry, guys, I talk, I talk too much. It's one of my biggest. That's points. all right. Um, <laughs> so coming back to your question is that it's that, you know, how do I survive then for that year or two until it gets back to normal? And, and what a lot of people don't realize as well is that we have to pay bills here. And it's not just the owner of the dive center that has to pay for their, you know, their captains and the boats and repairs and whatever. Course directors, a lot of times they have a bit of a business share somewhere. Uh, but it's even instructors and dive masters, like you said, you need to pay for your visa every year. It's very expensive sometimes. You have to pay for your work permit. So, yes, it is cheaper to live here than back home, but you get these extra costs that you normally don't have. You need diving insurances. You need to still pay for your membership fees, blah, blah, blah. So, anyway. Um, what can we do? And then I thought, okay, you know, like I, I'm just going to try to get as many income streams as possible. I might not like all the income streams, but the future is bright. And sometimes we have to do things that we might not like so much to, to get something in return. That is fantastic. So anyway, so personally, uh, I got my YouTube channel. I had it already before COVID. Uh, it's a real passion of mine as well, my YouTube channel. So if anybody wants to check it out, I got actually two. I got um, Marcel van der Berg, so just my name, uh, which I'm focusing more on the professional training. Um, and then I got scuba diving tips where I focus more on recreational uh, tips and training for, the, for diving. Mm. And anyway, so th that already brought in some money, but it's very low. If anybody thinks you've oh, got, gonna... got, you got a few, you got a few followers on there now, haven't you? Yeah, and and that that really changed because mostly because of COVID. So because I had extra time to work on those, I, I used to just have skill videos. So now I had yeah. extra time, and I finally thought, okay, I could do some really cool videos like like this, like talking to people and teaching them okay, how to uh, clear your mask or you know really talking to people. And and now I've seen an increase in my subscribers and suddenly i hit ten thousand subscribers and i was like wow. and i know it doesn't sound like a hundred thousand like all these other big guys on youtube but hey you know that for me ten thousand like i don't know if i can show you uh, but yeah this was uh, <laughs> you see that 
<laughs> He's a happy little chavvy. Yeah. But I mean, to put anyway. it into perspective, I mean, we're, we're in a very niche, um, a very niche sport. So ten thousand followers is is sizable. You know, when you consider, you know, compare, comparing it to uh, the big boys, the the boxers, the athletes, all that kind of stuff. It's a huge array of people following that kind of sport. So ten thousand, well done, mate. Thank well you. done. Be proud of it. And it's a, it's a, it's a step and an inspiration hmm. to go further. But what I realized was that uh, the income is not big enough yet to live on, mm. to pay your bills from. Uh, you can with YouTube. Don't get me wrong, because you, there's, there's ways to make really big money. But you have to also do that in a specific niche. This is, this is like an hour, a week of a lecture. But, but in mm. my niche, what I'm doing and I, the time that I have to do it, uh, I, you, I don't make enough to pay the bills yet yeah so on the side then uh i i, I found online work uh, in in the beginning it was hard and difficult you know from being a teacher in a classroom from jumping in the pool from going on a boat from being on the water showing people fish having that beer uh or glass <laughs> of white wine i like white wine. uh in the end of the day <laughs> uh to sitting behind a computer and yeah suddenly moderating comments for newspapers that was a big change yeah. However, yeah. you always get better at things when you do it a lot. And two years down the road, I, I actually start to kind of like my online job. It's, it's, it's steady money. It comes in exactly on the 15th and on the 1st every month, which is really cool. Yeah. And it gives me a lot of free time to work on the YouTube and other things in my life suddenly. So it's not the end of the world, but I cannot, go, I cannot wait to get back to it. Mm. but it's it's but not- i think you got i think you, you you made a very good point though i mean once once the comfort of travel or the flexibility of travel is allowed again and they organize all this shit so we can get out and about i think you're going to get a mass influx yes or- i've said that a few times now on a, a various episodes now but yeah travel's very much going to be on the agenda of a lot of people at some point in the not too distant future hopefully People have said to me, said, yeah, but why is it good for you? Because you're a course director. You know, that's good for the dive shops, good for the instructors, because those are the backpackers again and want to do open waters and DSDs and advanced. Mm. But somebody needs to teach them. And like I just said, there is a huge shortage right now. So I think everybody's going to win. Well, um, I'll tell you one thing that I want to do, um, and I am going to do, is I'm going to... I'll put it out as an open invite, and you can put it on your YouTube channel as well if you want, as a snippet. But I, I want to invite dive pros onto the show because, I mean, we've got, what, 27, 28 episodes now. I think you're 28 or 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got all these amazing people, Sylvia Earle and, and various other conservationists. And um, But what I'd like to do is every now and then just have a dive pro on that can talk about particular locations around the world that they know very well mm-hmm. or a particular type of diving that they do something that you know they're experienced in mm. and leave it as a you know it's an interest for people who want to go to those particular locations and, and find that type of diving so they're going to hear firsthand from people who know the location but also it's going to be an advantage for that uh, dive pro as well whether they're a dive master or instructor or course director because it's a bit of a seller, you know. It's all about selling yourself in the industry, as you know. Um, and people are going to want to dive with the people that they like. Mm. So if dive pros are on this show, 
They can advertise themselves, the location where they're at. And if they move on, then they've got a, you know, a point of reference for future employers. Um, and I'm guessing that's the kind of thing that you could do with, with the YouTube channel eventually, if, if you end up going down that route. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic idea. I, I really like it. Um, like, like, like we, we talked about the, the, the current was just an example of, of someone, but I actually have one of my IDC candidates. What, one of the coolest ones that I had as well, because he did everything with me. He did open water, advanced, uh, rescue, no rescue did with someone else. Uh, but he did his, uh, partly his dive master with me and then, and then he moved on to IDC, MSTT and he started working in Komodo. And he's one of the best, not just divers, but just, you know, people, students, teachers. I, I just, I just, I, this guy is fantastic. And, and, and he loves that. He loves being in those currents. So having someone like that um, explaining his experience in why he loves teaching in those areas is fantastic. Because some people that mm -hmm. listen to that, they would love to do that. And now they really get an insight uh information about how it really is well if they're going to well, ask that's the me that's getting yeah yeah get, getting that reality and i'll pick up on that because we're you know we use drift and currents as an example komodo galapagos mm. <clears throat> as you know i had well i still have whether it's going to reopen or not i don't know but my travel agency for scuba diving uh, kind of got killed by covid at the moment however i had a number of people request to book vacations and trips in komodo and galapagos that mm. kind of thing and i'd always ask the you know the skill set how many dives have they logged what kind of dives they've logged and the disturbing part is that some locations will accept people with as little as 50 dives and i'll, I'll refer to galapagos now mm. some places will refer you know will say that you need a minimum 50 dives and that's it but those 50 dives could have been done in pool-like conditions like Hotel and never seen a, a current in the world. Now, when I visited Galapagos a couple of years ago with the missus, there was a few people on our boat that were in much that kind of situation. They've got 90, 100 dives, but never done current. So they sat on the boat for two days because they were too scared to get in the water. So having someone who works in Galapagos come on the show and say, hey, you know what? If you've got 50 dives and you've done 30 of those in Komodo, that's not a bad yeah. starter for diving in Galapagos. But to get it from the horse's mouth, getting that experience, and it's just like the word of mouth um, kind of reference, it gives people a realistic view on what to expect and what the requirements are to dive in a particular location and save a shit ton of money. I couldn't. I, I felt so bad for those people mm. that sat on the boat. Six and a half thousand dollars to sit on on the boat for two out of the five they're meant to be uh, two out of the seven that they're meant to be diving. Terrible. So, I want people on the show that can give that experience. It's it's not just the money of the of the recreational divers, the fun divers that book that liveaboard or holiday, like you just said. Instructors, like uh, in the end of my IDC, I do uh, a job uh, placement training day and it's like throughout the entire dive master and idc course we, we teach them and help them about how to become successful how to find a job but there is this this little bit of information that's always missing and i put it in the end of the idc and it's much more raw much more hardcore i always have gloves and i say the gloves are off now guys i've been teaching you the proper stuff but today we're going to talk about reality 
and you're gonna you can be the best instructor in the world or die must but you can just walk into this dive shop and the first thing the owner says is you know beep go and grab some tanks blah 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 and beep get your act ready and bop, and suddenly well what was happening is this the real world well not always but sometimes and yeah and 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 what what is the biggest reason i think that people fail as a diving instructor that they never get that career that they wanted to is running out of money and where do they yeah. run out of money a, a lot of different ways but the biggest one is traveling to the location where they think they have a job or or have a job or, or looking for a job and then it doesn't work out over there and what people just never think about is how much it costs to get there so for example what you just said is perfect. We get this, uh, let's say, instructor who is super excited, is a really good instructor as well, done all the courses, paid all that money. Goes online, says, I'm looking for a job as an instructor. Galapagos, looking for instructor that could speak whatever, German. It's like, oh, I'm German, you know, fantastic. Gets an email, gets the job, and gets on an airplane. Well, you and I know pretty much wherever you live in the world, how difficult it is to get there and how expensive it is to get there because it's so yeah. remote, right? I mean, you have to you have to cross all those Chinese boats, fisher boats, and oh no, sorry, you're not allowed to say <laughs> anyway. So you have to <laughs> bribe them to get there. No, you don't. Okay. So anyway, so let's let's say it will cost you three thousand us dollars to get there it's not it could be cheaper or more depending where you are but let's say it's three thousand us dollars but that's the only three thousand dollars you have as an instructor for your career so what's going to happen you're, you're going to pay all that you get to the galapagos you're super excited to work you know you've done your hair you're ready to go and suddenly you realize that those currents there are way too strong and much stronger than what you've ever experienced again are you a bad instructor no you're one of the best ever but but you're you're not ready yet for those currents so now these people there go like okay but you said on your email that you've done like a thousand dives yeah but again those thousand dives were in swimming pool like conditions almost uh again not bad instructors but not ready for that area so now they have to fly back another three thousand dollars so they lost six thousand dollars and then suddenly to now fly to another job opportunity somewhere in the caribbean or egypt or whatever it's just too much and again they get their normal jobs and they and they 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 lose it or even the parents or anybody around them are saying come on this is nuts we paid thousands of dollars for your education and now it costs thousands of dollars to fly around the world so for those people to hear on your show or on youtube from an actual person working in the galapagos saying all right I got here and I, I wish I knew these five things, right? That you sometimes <laughs> see in video games or whatever. Yeah. Guys, if you want to work in Galapagos, which is the most beautiful place in the world, I guess, to work, one of them, make sure you get at least 100 dives. From those 100 dives, at least 50 need to be current dives and not just drift dives. They need to be drift dives, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if you get all of that sorted out, you have a good chance here. And, I, yeah. and that, that, that information would be gold. And that's not out yeah. there. Nobody says these things. Well, some. Exactly. On there's, their there's, yeah, you, you've got all the, like you say, Facebook and all that kind of stuff where people give comment. But who are you trusting? Are you who trusting you trust? the guy that you kind of like the, the, the grammar that he puts in or right. because he's non-aggressive? Or do you like the aggressive guy? Or, you know, the, the lady because she's female, so she's going to be more honest. It's not necessarily true. Yep. So to have someone who can who can discuss openly like this and have an opinion, and a confident opinion on the location 
is, in my opinion, uh, worth its weight in gold. Never thought about this. You just hit this. This can change people's lives, which you just said and came up with, Matt. And this is we're going to talk more yeah. about this after the show. This is fantastic because. Again, there are a few course directors and good instructors that do do this in these extra days, like I just said, like I like to do a job placement day, but it only affects those few people from our course. And, and again, if yeah. you're, we, we, we're supposed to teach everyone in the dive industry in a way. Uh, mm. this, is fin- this is worth gold. Well, this is, this is why I want to do it, because I, I want to put a reality check on it. I think uh, I'm going to get my soapbox again here, but... In this day and age where everybody's got access to information and the freedom to give their opinion, mm. I think the majority of the time that we see discussions online, because in text you can't put any kind of tone to it, yep. the majority of it comes across aggressive yep. and people are always wanting to prove someone wrong. Yep. I want to prove people right. Let's change it around. Let's have someone on the show that can say, I know this because I've been doing it for five years. Get all that negativity away. Let's have some positivity mm. for a change. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll and put the soapbox away again now. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> I like those two. <laughs> the, uh, again, the, you know, the most of the people that I found online on social media that give opinions uh, are people that have time to give opinions. Mm. So what I mean is this. I, I I want to work as a dive instructor, guys. What salary can I expect? Oh, wow. That is just... <laughs> that is like, okay, guys, stop everything what I'm doing right now because I need to moderate. You know, it's just... Yeah. I, I get and, the popcorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love those little gifts that come up as well. Um, they Not all of them, right? There, there is truth in some of this hatred, but but a lot of them, they the, the, the big ones, they, they have no work. And why? It's because they're just, they have that bad attitude. They're bad people. Mm. They're bad instructors. Yeah. They're bad quality things. And that's why they're online. And they have that time to go, all right, you know, I got screwed over so many times in this industry. I have to protect other people because they don't know that they're bad. Huh? Because I, I found out that people with bad attitudes, they actually don't know they have them. Otherwise, they yeah. would, they will change them, right? Because nobody well, really that's, wants... that's the thing. It doesn't necessarily yeah. make them a bad person. It just means that the influences that they've had whilst starting their dream career in the industry haven't met the expectations that they ha- had at the start. So they yeah. become disgruntled. And, yeah. and being ex-military, we used to see that in the military all the time. You know, you stay in one job too long and it's not what you expected. You start to get very disgruntled and dis- disheartened with, with life in general. So yeah, I think a lot of those haters are, are generally um, off gassing um, all that pent up yeah, anger like and aggression for for not meeting their own expectations. It's it's yeah, it's almost like therapy. But I, I think there's a goodness mm. in that heart too. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not all super bad. Like it, it just came out, you know. But <laughs> like it's it's they want to help. They want to protect these people that have a little bit of money back home and they're thinking about investing that in into becoming a diving instructor. And they and they like well, you're just gonna get lose that money then you're not going to get a job or if you get a job you don't get any pay and then you're going to come home after four years of your life having a great life having a good lifestyle but you know you missed out on four years of trying to work on your career let me help you to tell you don't do it or do it but expect this to happen and then and then go for the lifestyle but what about what about me that 
what you know i came in this industry with absolutely nothing so nothing that they recommended me to have i think i can't remember anymore to have something like four thousand dollars in my pocket or euros mm. and those were the people that were selling me the course so you know i th sometimes they're right there are these bad salespeople also in this industry who don't care and just want your money you know there's a truth in every and and you know in a lie in everything yeah so so i got here and of course that money went very quick because i i heard you need a computer you need a dive computer you need a wetsuit you need your own regulator to get a job and i was like oh my god it's just happening happening and all these people saying you will never make it and 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 this and that and now i am a petty platinum course director that a platinum status since the first year of my IDC until until uh, today, mm. and I, I made I made really good money. Yeah, there, there were there were not also a course director. Like I, I did as an as an open water instructor. I, I you know just doing open waters and advanced uh, and then nitrox. I, I did a huge thing with nitrox. Uh, my average salary was a hundred thousand baht to one hundred and fifty. So we're talking about around three thousand euros. But I had better months, but I can't even say them online because every time I say, oh, guys, uh, you know, I made 172,000 ones, people just say you're a liar. You're telling lies yeah. to people and t talking them out of it. And I'm like, I made 170,000 baht in a month once. But it wasn't money that I worked my ass off. And I did get um, eight open water students, the max that you can teach. And then not only I got that from that dive center, because it's just a very popular dive center. But I could team teach with other instructors. And now I actually got paid for two extra students. And then, yeah, then my con head used to be really high. Uh, it's, it's a video that I'm about to make, by the way. So subscribe to that YouTube channel, Marcel van der Berg, because <laughs> I'm going to give you all the tips that, that worked for me to become successful very soon. Um, but anyway, my, my continuing education ratio sales were 80% plus, 80%. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and, and on some of them, there were 100%. And it was... 100% on everybody. Now, my good friend that I used to team teach with, Matt Harrison from the United States, is here in Kotao now. And we had a conversation like this the other day and he interrupts it and he says, no, dude, we did 110% for three courses long. <laughs> How do you get 110%? Because you might go, he's lying now. There is no 110. Yes, there is. You do eight open water students. All eight of them want to do the advanced with you. But one of them has a boy or girlfriend that's already open water and now wants to join that same advanced course. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, boom. From that, you get 80% of them that want to do nitrox during the advanced course as well on top of that. And a couple of them want to rent some cameras. You take them out of dinner and two of them in the end of the course are, I'm not selling. They're asking me, hey, we want to go on a liverboard in the Andaman Ocean or sea on the other side. Do you have any recommendations now? I, I got some of my best friends owning liverboard companies and I don't want it, but they just, they, they sent me a commission. Of course, I take it. That's how you yeah. get 172,000 baht. I'm not saying everybody's going to get it. And how do you get 100% advanced scores? Yeah, that's, watch my video because you need, to, it's not just in the end of dive number four. Hey guys, so who wants to do the next course? You know, you, you have to, uh, there's hundreds of things you have to do in those four days to get that. Well, this circles gone. back around to the um, attitude of the, the, the instructor. Yeah. And, gone. you know, my, my con ed was, was very high as well, so, uh, oh, as was sales of, of items. And, yeah, and as long as you're passionate about 
doing what you're doing and you're delivering to your customers with that passion, they're going to they're gonna want to continue with you because you're making a fantastic experience and there's an opportunity there to improve that experience for them as well. But it's also being about honest. Mm. And, Honestly. you know, if you've got someone who's not, who's clearly not comfortable in the water and not going to achieve and enjoy doing the advanced course, then you, you don't try and sell it to them. But those that are comfortable, those that are happy, it's all down to the attitude of the instructor. Absolutely. And so plain and, plain and simple. I can't count how many times I went up to one of my students saying, all right, you did your open water, you mastered all the skills, you're extremely happy. Like the difference between confined and dive four, uh, from crying in the pool to, you know, putting the wings out on white rock on dive four and 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 and, and uh, fantastic, right? But are they truly ready for that advanced course? And and saying then, all right, maybe let's get a bit more experience in your case. And not as an insult, but like you said, being honest, not just to make money. You have to do it. You have to do it. No, just being mm-hmm. honest to that student actually made yeah. them say, you know what? You know, they'll usually go away then and after an hour or something, they find you again in the restaurant and they say, look, I've talked this over with my partner. We were supposed to travel on to another area, you know, but we were traveling for three months. We're so happy for what you've done. We're so happy for your honesty as well. And we so yeah. want to continue in diving that we, we, we're going to sign up for 10 fun dives. We're going to stay here for a yeah. week. Would you be able to teach us the advanced course in a week from now? What? Really? Did you, you, mm. you, wow. Yeah. So if you promise them the world or the moon or the solar system or the universe, if they're going to sign up for that advanced course, then give it to them or even more. So if you, if you promise them the moon in the advanced course, then give them the solar system. Yeah. Or if you can, okay, I'm getting a bit geeky right now. But anyway. <laughs> Honestly. No, it's true. It's true. And, and, and I think of, of, of all, everything we've just said over the last 10, 15 minutes, I think the overriding factor is that when someone enters or considers entering into the dive industry, they have to consider the minimal income that they're going to achieve, considering the locations they want to go to and work, work on that minimal income, create a budget, find out the living costs of that location from people that come on things like this show and YouTube, um, get an honest opinion on what it's going to cost for you to survive and have budget there if you need to save a bit of money for returning home in emergencies. Anything else that comes on top of that is a bonus. Absolutely. But if you go there expecting to earn a thousand dollars when you're only going to earn four hundred dollars, you ain't going to last five minutes. Yep, the biggest killer in people's career in this industry is not what everybody talks about. It is running out of money because people are saying, "But money's not important. It's supposed to be passion." Yeah, but you know, you, you want you need to pay for your patai in the end of the day. And if you run out of money, you run out mm-hmm. of food, and you you just become miserable. And, and and you know, people don't run out of money as well instantly, Matt. You know, you know this, right? It it it, mm-hmm. it goes slowly because they have hope. Yeah, but next month they're going to give me more students. They told me next course or next fund divers or whatever. But what happens is that a lot of them, they go to the bars, right? And then in those bars, suddenly they do still have some money (laughs) and they buy all these beers and they buy people rounds and the more they get drunk and the more that everybody's sharing their stories about not making enough money, the more 
shots you order and spending more money yeah. that's why in the gold yeah. in the gold rush you know the the people that really made money right were the bars and the poker games and i sometimes yeah. i feel that here as well i mean the bars here they, they sometimes but anyway um <laughs> but but the the more miserable then they become and the more now they go onto facebook and start hating and saying it's you know it's the industry that's bad but in the in the end if you planned it the right way like you said and you talk to honest people and you listen to honest people that says okay realistically you need amount x it's going to take you an average of a year to get a proper job to get some income now average is mm. important because some people sorry they walk out of an idc into the perfect jobs like like seeing an, a whale shark on dive number two of your open water diver course, right? It's, it happens, <laughs> yeah. but it's rare. Um, and then some people, they even with good attitudes, not always the bad ones, but sometimes it, it still takes a few years, especially when you focus on working in this one location that you really want to be, this one dive center. Yeah, you might have to, you know, get three years of hard work uh, to get it. But anyway, yeah. if you say, okay, let's say an average of a year. Now you can say, okay, how much is my rent? How much is my food? Make a budget, uh, an emergency to go home. And then what's very important is to understand that you can get in accidents. Like, you, I mean, you can fall off your bike. Yeah. Infections in these tropical areas, if you decide to go there, they, are, they heal much longer than other things. You know, it can take three months of your one-year plan just because you mm-hmm. cut your food and it gets infected. It costs money. So you plan... Yes. You know, all of the, these are things that I love to talk about with people if I get them on, on the phone, like WhatsApp, and they ask me, what should I plan for money before my IDC? But that's the thing. I mean, people like you and I that have got that experience, you can share that experience and be honest. And that's why one of the most important things when we come to safety of diving, it's not just under the water, it's above the surface as well. If you're honest and open about the mistakes you've made, other people learn from them, and that increases the safety of the sport as a whole. Yeah. 100%. Full stop. And you're turning mm. them into these new role models as well. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I, can do, I can do hours about this. Like uh, the risk management lecture that we have in our IDC, I remember when I was uh, learning to become a course director, I assisted a lot of IDCs. And, and some of them were really good, like really good lectures. Uh, but sometimes we had like sort of like guest course directors coming in or brand new ones or or in training or staff instructor whatever uh, and they were doing this risk management lecture and from listening to one course director before it's one of the best risk management lecture i've ever listened to that takes around one and a half to two hours i think to now this other course director walking in there just 20 minutes bam risk management lecture done let's move on to the skill circuit in the pool and uh, it's beer o'clock time I, uh, I realize a huge difference between that. And, and, and that's why when I teach my IDCs, my risk management lectures is, is absolutely baby of mine. It's one of the longest one as well, uh, three hours, and that's on a good day. Like, and of course, I have a lot of breaks in between. And you might not go, I will never go with this guy to do his IDC because I don't want to listen for three hours in the classroom, but talk to my students. And I think I'm not saying all lectures are good, but that lecture I think is pretty okay. And why is it such a great yeah. lecture is because I'm not just saying, all right, don't do this or don't do that. I'm, I'm giving real life stories and most of them happen to me about how to avoid these things. And one of them is, is you know, 
going to bars and, and all that kind of stuff and just sharing that honest experience where things were close calls or whatever to your new IDC candidates. Ah, they sit like mm. this, like literally like, like this for like three hours long. <laughs> and, and one of the best things that we've ever heard was we got a manager from the Caribbean that uh, contacted us and wanted to give the biggest shout out, especially actually to uh, Maddie Barker, uh, if I can use your name, Maddie, sorry. Uh, she is, uh, <laughs> Hello, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> she trains um, our dive masters. So I do a little bit yeah. here and there, but she, she does the majority. And she's absolutely amazing. Like, fantastic. I could spend an hour talking about how good she is as a person and as yeah. an instructor. But um, so what happened is one of our dive master candidates that completed the dive master course, mostly with Maddie, went to the Caribbean, got a job as a dive master. So you see, it can happen. And what happened was that uh, he refused doing these weird jumps they do off the boat. And they do these weird jobs because it's good to sell the videos because they make videos of that with the students and fun divers. And he was like, hmm. giant stride, whatever happens, I am doing this one entry. Now, I don't want to go into discussion saying that's the only way. I mean, I'm not saying that all the other entries are bad. But for him, he was so trained a specific way in Cyrus Cottage by us that it didn't matter what they said to him. He could even lose his job. He refused to do another entry. Now, you might go like, well, what is that then? Are you teaching these guys like military style? You have to do giant strides and anything else is bad. No, I just said that. We're doing the opposite. We are telling them scenarios of when every entry was super cool super good for fun ways and sales and whatever and then we have a few stories not many but a few where some of these entries went wrong Mm. and very close calls to serious injuries on some of our watches and once our students and dmts and idc candidates hear that they just go Whoa, I've been doing these entries for so long. Some of the best instructors in the world have taught me to do this, and, and they never had an injury. But we tell them a real story. And then we say, now you can choose. So after we certified you, do what you want to do. We're not going to hold it against <laughs> you if you do a weird entry. So they go on the boat. They want to do a weird entry because everybody else is doing it around them. But that story pops back in. When that one student did this weird entry, broke her mask, caught her face, and they're going, well, you know what? Uh, my babies behind me did not just pay 10,000 baht to do a weird entry. They want to see fish. Mm. And to see fish, they need a whole face for that. So let's not have a yeah. 1 million chance of them cutting their face because they're doing a more dangerous entry. Let's just do a giant stride and find the moray eel that they want to watch so much. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a fish, yeah. but... <laughs> Yeah. Do you, you see where I'm I could have, I could have, I could have thought of a better, you know, subject, but but it's I get your meaning. It's it's just cool to to get that 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 sort of like compliment in the end of the day. But it, it happens with stories. If I'm going to say in my IDC or Dive Master program, guys, don't drink. What are they going to do? Yeah, they're going to drink more, right? Yeah, it's like your mom and dad saying, "Don't smoke." Are you going <laughs> to, you know? But if we tell them, like, look. I had some fun as well. Let me show you some pictures of when I was in this bar as an instructor. It's fun, eh? All right, now I want to show you the picture of how I looked the next day when I crashed my back. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? I had eight students waiting for me. You know how much I get paid for eight students? I get paid 
500 US dollars in three and a half days of work. And I had to give them away to another instructor because I look like this after my bike crash. Yeah. And that's now the thing. I mean, it's simple stuff like a bike crash. And, and we're, we're talking bike crashes. I mean, there's, there's sand on roads and all sorts, wherever you go. And it can be a minor, minor bike crash. Just a little something to take a little bit yep. of skin off your legs. But you just can't operate so soon after having a little spill. Uh, and then add in being in the tropics, and you mentioned it earlier, what a lot of people don't realize is that seawater isn't actually that pure. It's quite bacterial. And once an infection gets in there, you're living in the tropics. It's a long time before it repairs and, and you're back to health. Yeah. There's this, yeah. this balance we have to find as instructors. And again, it just comes down to that word we mentioned over an hour ago, attitude. Number one Simple thing on your that. mind is their happiness, their safety, and their experience. If that's your ultimate goal, then all the other things will just lead up to that and fall into place. So, okay, shall I have another shot with them in the bar? Yes, it's fun. Will I make them happy? Absolutely. Will they love me if I buy them another shot? Yes. All right, wait, wait. I'm ticking all the boxes. I'm making them happy. This is good. I need to do this. But wait, wait. Tomorrow, are they still happy? No. Yeah. They're going to feel like crap. Are they going to do more diving? No. Are they going to check out of the resort? Yes. Are they going to like me because I bought them another shot? No, because you were the reason for them to have to cancel the course and not enjoying fish for longer. Yeah. And exactly. you may be turned into a beep after a few more shots, <laughs> which makes them write very bad on TripAdvisor. Yeah. Bad for business. Yeah. No, your limits. Yeah. No, your limits. Mate, I think um, I think we'll wrap it up. I'm getting a little bit hungry now, and it's uh, it's way past my lunchtime now. And um, I'm sure you've got a few things to do. Probably no climbing mountains. Uh, get some food yourself. Um, very quickly before we depart, uh, where, what are the uh, groups called on Facebook that people can have a look at? Yeah, so uh, thanks for asking. Uh, but there are a few of them, so I know this sounds a bit weird. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let me try to to give the most important ones that help the people the most. So there is a recreational Facebook group that is for everyone, for all levels of diving, even if you're a non-diver and you're thinking about diving. Um, and that is called Scuba Diving Worldwide. So look for Scuba Diving Worldwide. Uh, there is no, uh, how you say that, uh, you have to wait until I approve a comment. So everything gets approved straight away. But I heavily moderate it uh, afterwards to make sure that there is no negativity. Everybody has a fair shot of saying something. No slacking off other locations. It's extremely friendly Facebook group. That's the idea. So if somebody says, hey, guys, I just saw a little goby on my first snorkeling experience, instead of somebody saying, well, who are you? This is a technical diet, whatever. You know, no, no. It's like we want the most enthusiastic people saying, wow, that is so cool. Have you ever thought about scuba diving? Let's move on. So very, very friendly, very positive. Go and check that one out. Now, and that one's, what, what's it called again? It's called Scuba Diving Worldwide. Scuba Diving Worldwide. Yeah, you actually, I okay. think you see the picture is... Uh, this person. <laughs> there goes my 10,000 subscribers. No. Oh, no. It's not. it's not. It's not. It's still here. It's still here. It's the, it's the uh, thank you from Project Aware kind of thing. Sorry, guys. But I will. Oh, well, it. it gives you something to do this afternoon. Yeah. Clean up the glass. 
Um, um, okay, so that's that one. What, what's the next one? Uh, next one. So the next one is for dive masters or dive masters in training. It's uh, called Dive Master Jobs uh, Scuba Diving. And mm-hmm. that one is specifically to help DMTs and dive masters to find work in the industry as a dive master. Really focus on that. Um, but then of course, if they're thinking about continuing to IDCs or, or, or there's some instructors on there that are also asking for work or dive centers that are offering work for instructors too, it is allowed, but it's, it's really for dive masters specifically, because again, some people, they just don't want to teach people. They just want to be a dive master and and we need to give them an opportunity Mm -hmm. for them to find work. So is there yeah, yeah. Uh, another one that we have and that's I'm not the owner owner but I'm an admin together with a great team of other admins it's the biggest one and that's called dive jobs worldwide and that is to find work in the industry uh, on all levels uh, and, and also of course companies that offer work um, but even like jobs on there of management of dive shops or buying even a dive shop or a boat so definitely check yeah. that one out it has one of the biggest chances for you to get some uh, some job in the industry yeah, there's a lot of people in that one as well i think isn't it? yeah uh and then if it's okay with you i want to add one last one it's not a group it's a mm. page it's called scuba diving tips so like the logo here that i just got and my coffee mug that i'm very happy with um it's and my picture frame you just smashed, frame <laughs> you just smashed. <laughs> it's my uh, it's my diving block that has a page yeah related to it so it would be awesome if you like and follow that and what is it's it's different than most of the other diving blocks most diving blocks they focus on the diving stories and what else do they focus on uh dive equipment gear travel all these things and they're fantastic uh blocks to read Mm -hmm. but what i thought was missing in the block industry was something specifically to teaching tips specifically so for 99 percent on scuba diving tips.net or on this facebook page i will share teaching tips so for example how to organize confined dive number one um, how to be the best in giving mask remove and replacement tips and it's not a money maker because most people they don't search really for this so ad revenue is i think i made one dollar 21 last month <laughs> uh, from 80 cents so you know yeah. but it's really not because of that it's truly to help other people to become better instructors better dive masters and for people that you know they maybe signed up for this open water course with an instructor that rushed them through the course and they feel that they still have a lot of questions and hopefully that page and blog will help them with answering some of those questions well the thing is i mean echoing back to when we were talking about you know working in big groups and gaining experience from people's mishaps and what have you uh, and and organizing them the same goes with learning from other experienced dive masters and instructors so your um your page here that shows how to do i don't know maybe mass removal mass replace it is your <clears throat> excuse me it is your technique your adaptation on how the skills should be done and achieved it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only way to do it no. but it gives that person who's looking for the information a little bit of information they might not have been aware of so they can cherry pick from a multitude of areas to design their own comfortable way to present that uh, that particular skill 100 and it's so important that you just mentioned that i'm very happy to because 
I do have descriptions, and people don't always read descriptions, as you know. They just want to watch the video. In every description, or almost every single one of them, it says, this is not the only way. It's very important because I, I some, sometimes you have even other instructors are saying, oh, look at this guy online, you know, being so arrogant, showing this is his way. No, no, it's just a way. And a way that worked really good for me. I struggled with the math skill when I was a beginner diver. And there's different instructors giving me different tips. I picked the best of all of them. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I use that when I teach. I try to learn over time, constantly learning. I even learn from DMTs and DMCs and, 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 and even students that give me tips. Say, hey, you know what? This really worked for me. And I put that, try to put that in a video. But then I also put in there, hey, if you have tips after watching this video, if you had learned something from an instructor that I don't know about, or if you're an instructor that has this really cool tip or trick that makes it so easy for people to learn a math skill that, that I didn't mention, please leave them in the comments. Please. Because... Mm. I really learned from that myself. And I will ask you politely, wow, can I, can I steal that? Can I use that in my courses and, and make new future instructors yeah. better? So that's another thing as well. It's, it's, it's those platforms that give me the opportunity to learn from other people around the world. And that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you never stop learning. Never. If you say that you've learned everything and you've got nowhere further to go, you are that ass. <laughs> I could have put it yeah. in a in a better way <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes yeah okay marcel we're going to wrap it up um people can find you on youtube as well and that's uh and that's scuba diving tips as well yeah so two channels on youtube the same as uh the other one so one more time uh very important i would it would mean the world to me if you subscribe and ring that notification bell because then you can get a little notification when the videos are uploaded uh i like some of these videos as well uh, of course if you don't like them that's fine uh, but then just walk away and do something else in life. Um, no, <laughs> but if you like them, it would mean the world if you give that thumbs up and subscribe and ring that bell. So two channels, again, scuba diving tips is more focused on recreational diving tips, uh, how to mm-hmm. clear your mask, rescue diving course tips, how to learn how to use a compass to navigate during your advanced course. That will be on scuba diving tips. And my other channel is my name, Marcel van den Berg. And that is more focused on uh, professional level dive master training, like skill circuits, uh, risk management lectures, how, how to increase your sales, like we just talked about, in a very friendly and honest way. All of that will be on that channel. And yeah, of course, in the end, hopefully you can just subscribe on both. Uh, that would be... <laughs> yeah, that would, yeah. That's, that's the bonus. But thank you. If you May, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show. And I'm sure we'll do something again in the future as well. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to having a look at more wonderful videos on the uh, on the YouTube channels. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, and yes, I would love to uh, love to have another talk in the future. So thank you, Matt. Happy days. Thanks, Marcel. Bye bye. Bye bye, everybody. Bye everyone. This is Scuba Goat Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.